0: Today's uh, reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing.
1: Now, beginning today, we are back in Luke's Gospel on Sundays at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. And one of the things that the COVID world has done to me, it might be my increasing age or whatever, but I can't remember what happened a month ago or two months ago or four months ago or whatever, but I guarantee you that from January to March 2021, we were in Luke's gospel, chapter one through to chapter four, verse 30. And uh, We pick up again from 4.31, and I'll read that in a minute through to the end of chapter 9. That will take us up to the end of August. And then just a heads up, the motto series in our small groups for 2021-22, which will start in September, will be Luke's journey narrative from chapters 9 through uh, 20. And it'll be really great material, really practical and helpful building on Romans building on our understanding of what the gospel is, to take that gospel out and to speak it. Now, let's just remind ourselves of the purpose of Luke and Acts, this two-volume work. And the purpose of Luke and Acts, you could distill in one word, which is certainty. Now, right away, that kind of convicts us and grips us because there's so little of that in the world and in our lives apart from this fixed stuff about the Lord Jesus. Certainty. Certainty in two respects in Luke and Acts. One, certainty about who Jesus is and certainty about what Jesus' mission is. Now, why does that matter so much? Well, because there are all sorts of views around about who Jesus is. And it's very important that we are clear from the Bible and from Jesus' own teaching who he is. But I think more relevant perhaps to us as a church is because there are all sorts of views around About what Jesus' mission is. And we need to know for certain what his mission is because our mission is modeled on his. And that raises important questions like as a church, are we doing what we are supposed to be doing? And if we are doing it, are we convinced, really convinced? that it's right or other things we're doing that are not in line with Jesus' mission. So it all matters a great deal. So let's pray at the start of this new series that we will listen to God's Word so that we will be certain who Jesus is We'll pray for folks who are not yet Christians as they listen. They will come to understand who Jesus is. We'll pray, too, that we'll become certain, more convinced, more convicted, and that will flow out in action and practical stuff as to what Jesus' mission is and, therefore, what ours is. And we'll pray through all of that that we will listen to God's Word. So let's do that now. Our Father, for those of us with the responsibility to teach, help us teach your Word faithfully and clearly, neither adding to it nor subtracting from it, but rightly handling it as the Word of truth. For all of us, help us to listen to your Word and to do what it says. Please teach us who Jesus is. Help us not to presume or think we know the answer to that question. Please teach us what his mission is and what our mission is. And if our understanding or practice is out of line with the truth, Will you make us humble and zealous to put it right? For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, in Luke chapters 1 to 3, his major focus has been on who Jesus is. And from the beginning of chapter 4... Who Jesus is remains a major focus, but alongside that, Luke begins to focus increasingly on what Jesus' mission is. And that's why we read chapter 4, verses 14 uh, to uh, 21. That was the last passage we looked at back in March, and it's a kind of bridge as Luke moves between who Jesus is and what his mission is. And can I encourage you to listen to Roger's sermon on Luke 4, 14 to 30? It's really helped me. It's a good practice in general to listen again to stuff, but it's really helped me get back into the rhythm of Luke. And we'll make sure it's easily accessible on the resources section Of the website with this new series. Today, though, chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. We'll read that now. And I want you to sit on the edge of your seats. Thank you for one or two of you who actually did it. (laughs) That was a kind of metaphorical request. And just get your head around the extraordinary stuff that's being described here. Extraordinary stuff. Sometimes I think if we've been Christians for a long time, it just kind of washes over us. Just think of what is being described here on a single day. I don't know what your Saturday was like yesterday, but it wasn't like this. Let's read it. Verse 31. And Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, the Saturday. And they were astonished at his teaching For his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. And this is going on out loud in the synagogue. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him, they got on their phones and texted everyone they could think of. Reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue, still on the Saturday, and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those, all those who had any, presumably in their families or in their friendship groups, all those who had any who were sick in this town, with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So there was no one left in Capernaum that night who was sick, not one. And demons came out of many crying, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. That's quite a Saturday. When it was day, the next day, Jesus departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And just let me... uh, say something I've just read the word of God and if you think the word of God when you hear it is powerful that's exactly what we should be thinking when we hear the word of God it is powerful and the word that's just been read is the power of God for salvation Now, it is an extraordinary account in Luke's Gospel. Verses 31 to 41 describe, as I said, one Sabbath day. Four snapshots or scenes. They're obvious. Let me just point them out to you again. Number one, verses 31 to 32 Jesus is in Capernaum teaching in the synagogue. And Luke records the crowd's astonishment at his word or his teaching. Snapshot 2, verses 33 to 37, Jesus delivers a man possessed by an evil spirit. And once again, Luke records the amazement of the crowd at the power of his word. Snapshot 3, verses 38 to 39, again with a word, Jesus healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with a fever. And then snapshot number 4, verses 40 to 41, extraordinary verses extraordinary events. At sunset, everyone in the town who was sick and demon-possessed was brought to Jesus, and he healed every uh, one of them. Now, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have committed to him as your Savior and Lord, as many of us have, never, ever, ever let the years of faith rob us of the fact that no one has ever, ever walked on this planet who has done anything like this. Extraordinary man. Now, taking these four snapshots or scenes together, Jesus demonstrates his authority over sickness and evil. He healed the sick and he cast out demons and thus... He reveals his identity. And remember Luke's purpose in writing, that we are certain about who Jesus is, that we are left in no doubt about who he is. And you'd have noticed how through these events, Luke draws attention to what these miracles reveal about who Jesus is. So, first, verse 34, the demon speaks, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Here's the identity. You are the Holy One of God. Second, verse 41, demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Who is Jesus? What does his authority over sickness and evil reveal about who he is? He is the Holy One of God, he is the Son of God, he is the Christ. That's what the evidence reveals. If you're listening and you're not a Christian, as you contemplate the evidence that Luke records in his eyewitness account, Jesus' astonishing authority over sickness and evil. The purpose of these miracles is to reveal to us who this person is. He is the Holy One of God, the Son of God, and the Christ. Let me just explain what these titles mean or show you how the Bible explains what they mean. The Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God is a title of Jesus used only once in Luke's gospel. Now, the first reading we had describes Jesus' teaching in the synagogues in Galilee. Jesus reads a passage from Isaiah and then declares he is the fulfillment of that scripture. And so Isaiah is in the reader's mind. Twenty-nine times in the book of Isaiah, God is identified as the Holy One of Israel. And now Jesus is the Holy One of God. And so the title Holy One of God, when it is used of Jesus, is a title of deity. Jesus is divine. He is God. Yet it is also a title of humble humanity. It speaks of the fact that the transcendent, majestic, almighty God has taken on human flesh. God become man. And third It is a title of sinless perfection. If he is God, even though he is a man, Jesus is perfectly holy. There is no sin in him. Holy one of God. Divine, human, sinless. Second title, Son of God. That's a divine title. It means Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Father, Son, and Spirit, the eternal triune God. Jesus is the eternal God. And thirdly, the Christ. The Christ is a Greek word, the same as Messiah, the Hebrew equivalent. It means the anointed one. And these words have precise meanings. Christ, Messiah means the anointed one. And Luke has already in his narrative explained to us what that means. Zechariah, in Luke 1, saw in Jesus the Spirit-anointed Davidic king, God's king. Simeon, in Luke 2, saw in Jesus the Spirit-anointed servant, God's suffering servant. And at Jesus' baptism, God the Father, in a voice from heaven, declared both of these to be true with the words, you are my beloved Son." A quotation from Psalm 2 and Isaiah 9. Jesus is the Spirit-anointed King. You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. A quotation from Isaiah 42. Jesus is the Spirit-anointed suffering servant. You see what Luke is doing? He's lighting fireworks. Fireworks. Each of which is a description of who Jesus is. And who Jesus is proved by promises fulfilled, and now proved by miracles performed. He is the Holy One of God, divine, human, sinless. He is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. He is the Christ, God's Spirit-anointed King, God's Spirit-anointed suffering servant. Now, if you're not a Christian... Luke wants you to see and understand who Jesus is, if you are a Christian. Luke wants us to be reminded of Jesus is, in case he has become a little too small in our hearts and eyes, and to remind us that this man, the Holy One of God, the Son of God, the Christ, when he gave his life on the cross because of who he is divine, human, sinless, Son of God, Christ, anointed king, anointed servant, because of who he is, his death on the cross achieves for us what we most desperately need, which is the forgiveness of sins. We often think of Jesus on his cross dying to forgive our sins, but we need to have in our minds that the man who hung on that cross was divine and human and sinless, the eternal Son of God, the Messiah, King and Servant, all of these things. Now, if you are clear on who Jesus is, there is another question and that is, have you believed? There are a lot of people who get clear on who Jesus is but who have never believed. Have you turned to Jesus for salvation? If not, then do so now. If you don't know how to, then Roger, I would be glad to talk to you, to help you, to pray with you. Now, this passage in Luke's gospel not only reveals Jesus' identity, it confirms his mission. Now, I use the word confirms because Luke has already set out clearly what Jesus' mission is. So, what is his mission? Now, as I have already mentioned, I want to really encourage you to listen to Roger's sermon on Luke 4, 14 to 30, because of the time he's able to take to explain what's behind the conclusions in Luke's gospel. Let me, though, point you to a couple of references from that earlier passage. You can see it on the handout. What's Jesus' mission? What's he come to do? What's his priority? How is his power manifest? All these questions. First verses 14 to 15 of Luke 4. Luke is describing the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Let's read them again. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught... In their synagogues, Jesus is introduced to us as a teacher, a preacher, as he is, for example, in Mark's Gospel. And then in his hometown of Nazareth, teaching in the synagogue, Jesus unrolls the scroll and reads a particular passage from Isaiah 61. Verse 17 in Luke 4, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. This passage from Isaiah is about the Lord's anointed who will come to proclaim good news. Jesus read these words. All eyes were fixed on him. And then Luke 4, 21, he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this passage in Isaiah is talking about me. I have come. I am the one. Come in fulfillment of this promise, and my mission is to what? Proclaim the good news. That's what Jesus says. He has come to do. Now who is Jesus? He is the Spirit anointed king. In fulfilment of the first part of Isaiah, he is the spirit anointed suffering servant. In fulfilment of the middle section of Isaiah, and he is the spirit anointed preacher in fulfilment of the final part of Isaiah. Jesus' mission is to proclaim the good news. And what is the good news or the gospel? Gospel simply means good news. The good news is that through Jesus our sins can be forgiven. Jesus' mission is to proclaim that message. Now, if you take time to listen to the earlier sermon. What Roger is able to do is explain from Isaiah and from the rest of Luke's gospel that that's what good news is. That's what Jesus means. That's what Isaiah means. The good news is that through Jesus our sins can be forgiven. A message that is for all people. Rich and poor, poor and rich. As Luke's gospel unfolds, he will stand side by side, rich and poor, both in need of salvation, whatever their background. this is the message all humanity needs to hear. Jesus' mission is to proclaim the good news. And the second half of Luke 4, our passage confirms this. Wonder if you notice the constant emphasis through Luke's account, On the power of Jesus' word. Let's take just a moment to uh, point out the references so Luke can persuade uh, you. Verses 31 to 32. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching. Verse 32 they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. The power of Jesus' word. Verses 35 and 36. But Jesus rebuked the demon saying, Be silent and come out of him. Verse 36. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands... The crowd is not saying, who is this? They are saying, what is this word? Verse 39, he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Verse 41, demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them. The power of Jesus' word. That's what Luke is drawing our attention to. And then the concluding statement at the end of chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And when it was day, so you might paraphrase that, in the cold light of day. When it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him. And would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them. I must preach. The good news. Of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching. In the synagogues. Of Judea. Now it could not be any clearer. What Jesus mission is. There is a challenge to us in these verses that we take the message of salvation everywhere and to everyone. And Jesus certainly made sure that the message of salvation went to the most marginal groups in the society then. And that should challenge us. It's not a different message. It's not different good news, whether you are rich or poor, but it is a message for the poor as well as the rich. And these are barriers that we must break down And there are barriers, like whether you are white or black, that the church must break through. But it's not a different message. It's not a different message. But that is no excuse not to break through these barriers. And these are questions many people are asking, and rightly so. But the message never changes. It is to preach the good news that through Jesus our sins can be forgiven. And that's not Chalmers' agenda. It's not my agenda It's Jesus' agenda. Now, this does not mean that Jesus lacks compassion for people's holistic needs. This passage of Scripture that we have read, you would not encounter, you could not encounter a more loving man, a more wonderful man, a more caring and compassionate man. And when people who aren't Christians encounter churches, they should encounter caring, compassionate, loving people. But Jesus, whose heart was broken by the plight of humanity in every way, came to proclaim the answer to humanity's greatest need, which is our need of forgiveness. Now, Jesus knows that he is God's anointed king. Jesus knows that that will mean that one day he will stand on judgment day and judge every man and every woman. And their eternity in heaven or hell will depend on whether or not they are forgiven their sins. He knows that's coming. So Jesus steals himself that on this earth, He will proclaim the gospel. That's His mission. and it's ours now let me conclude chapter four is a key chapter in luke's gospel the focus yes is on who jesus is and that theme has been dominant in the first three chapters but now alongside that the focus is on jesus mission to preach the good news that will dominate the chapters that follow. And now that we know who Jesus is, the focus will be on his mission, the proclamation, the preaching of the good news. And the miracles in this section, these extraordinary miracles, not only reveal Jesus' identity, But they also demonstrate the power of his word. Not the power of a preacher, not the eloquence of a preacher, not who it is that stands in front of you on a Sunday or who leads your small group, but the power of the word. A preacher is never more than a voice crying in the wilderness the power of the word, even as we sit here, the word of God is read and proclaimed, the power of God is at work. And the point of it all that the preaching of the good news or the teaching of the Word of God, or speaking the truth, or sharing the gospel in words, is how the power of God is manifest in the world. Now, let me finish with just giving you and I'll just give you them and they will figure in our thinking over the coming weeks and months some questions as we close number one do we really believe in the power and priority of Jesus word my instincts and hunch in chalmers is that we believe in the power and priority of Jesus word But I think we need to add the word really, really, really believe. Number two, is our mission aligned with Jesus' mission? To preach the good news. To preach the word of Jesus. What is the main thing in church life? What is the main thing that occupies our time? Question 4, what is our evangelistic strategy? There is a place for apologetics. There is a place for step by step by step getting to know people. But the Bible is crying out to us to say, will you have confidence in my word? Will you read my word with people? Will you say to people quickly in a conversation, Jesus can give you peace with God? Will you believe that? Engage people, talk to them. What are we training and equipping and sending people out to do? Who is around us in this community who is not in this building because of the fact that they might be different from us, for example? When we begin toddlers or football or walking or whatever else, are we absolutely clear on what we're doing and why we're doing it? Will we speak the gospel? What are we training and equipping and sending people out to do? When there are all manner of strategies for how we should send people out equipped for the harvest fields. And the last question, and I wonder if this is the most important of all, are we listening? To Jesus' words. I wonder if, as a church, we're pretty good at teaching them and training and equipping and all that kind of stuff. But are we listening to Jesus' words? I think of uh, the the Martha and Mary. I always get them mixed up. I don't know which was the good one and the bad one. But whatever the one was who was sitting at Jesus' feet listening, that's the right attitude. Listening listening, speaking, listening, speaking, listening, teaching. That's what Jesus' mission is. And over these months and next year in Luke, God willing, ours will become more and more aligned to his. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for Luke's gospel. Thank you for the clarity in it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be clear. Help us to be obedient. Help us to listen. And help us to look at what we do in light of what Jesus says we are to do. And we long, long, long for people to come to living, saving faith in the Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen.